Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com. And with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, my old so-and-so. Hello, my friend. We're here. That's one of the Oscar movies. That's a quote from an Oscar movie, Andrew. Did you know that? I did know that because I saw it last night. I've seen all nine Best Picture nominees. Hey, attaboy. We both have now. That's so exciting. That's I feel like a rarity, actually. I don't I don't know that that's ever happened before. Definitely in not. And definitely not in the la- last year, for sure. You were a busy man last year, so. I was a busy man, but there's also just some that we just sometimes don't feel like we need to see. Like, this... I always reference War Horse. Like, I never, I never saw that movie. I was never going to see that movie. <laughs> I saw War Horse in theaters. It was not good. It was about a horse. Uh, yeah. It was very uh, in, dumb. In war? <laughs> it was a horse in war. <laughs> they sent a horse to war. That should have been the tagline for War Horse. But... <laughs> <laughs> Under the title War Horse. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, we're not here to talk about War Horse as much as we want to. We're here to talk about the 2018 Oscar nominations. We we always at In Real Deep we love to shit on the Oscars on occasion, point out their foibles and their flaws and their gaping holes in logic and choice making, but we still can't help but talk about them. And we like to every year sit down and look at the nominations and nitpick them and sometimes praise them and really just go back and forth between us on where they hit, where they missed. And just get a sense of how, you know, this big body of filmmakers and actors and everyone involved in the industry reviewed the year in film. So, Andrew, what, I know we always, as I said, we always give the Oscars a lot of guff, but I will say, looking at the uh, nominees this year, they didn't do a terrible job. We, Like you said, we saw all nine Best Picture nominees. That's pretty impressive for us, and it speaks well to their choice making. And I would say, as we're going to go down these lists here, though we, we have we have some differing opinions here and there, and we I, I specifically dislike very much so one of the many nominated films. Eh, I think I think we, we both would agree overall they did an okay job. Yeah, I think I, I think that's totally true. And uh, yeah, I'm a busy guy. I got a kid. I did to, to see all nine Oscar nominees is is not I, I see a fair amount of movies throughout the year. But to see all nine is a little unusual, um, which I think kind of speaks to the the uh, the crop that's out there. And I would even add, you know, there's a couple that I don't think either of us have seen that I would have liked to have gotten to. I'm specifically thinking of I, Tanya, which has two acting nominees. And I'm kind of just very curious about because i remember that and also because like the winter olympics are going on right now and all that stuff so yeah i think i think they did a good job i think you know we feel compelled to talk about them because this is like the one time a year when all of our friends i i was at a party last weekend and like this is the one time a year when i can get people will talk to me for like literally a half hour or more about movies (laughs) when you're so popular time, for a change well the rest of the time it's like it's just obnoxious if i start bringing up movies i'm like oh have you seen this you know that sort of thing um and uh and so that's why we that's why we talk about them i guess you know yeah in the, in the air we're, we're cultural we're, we're culturally relevant for a change the in real deep and our movie obsessions are tolerated for for a little bit longer than they normally are which is very nice of people so thank you people we better enjoy it while it lasts before this becomes like the Netflixies or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> before we get too much further, Andrew, let's do our beverage of choice segment. I am happy to say I'm enjoying an El Segundo Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA. 
if you yeah it's uh if you listen to the steve austin show on podcast one it's a great podcast with stone cold steve austin he talks about his beer constantly and it comes in a big bottle i live in california now it's made down the street and it's delicious and it's got a big skull on it and it says steve austin in giant letters and i love that i feel like this would be more on brand for your other podcasts (laughs) they they don't sell beers that say movies on them or anything like that so Mm -hmm. i really couldn't i couldn't match that up so well they definitely sell beers with movies on them I was looking at the beer store today. I couldn't find anything that said movies or real deep or any anything that would tie into our our brand. So the best I could do is the Steve Austin beer. Uh, well, well, thank you for the attempt. There's one. Uh, there's one here in Maryland. I'm not drinking this this one, but I love the movie reference. It's a, a rye pale ale, and it's called Surrender Dorothy. Um, which, if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, is what the Wicked Witch of the West writes in the sky with her. Oh, nice! I didn't even get—I didn't get yeah. that part of the reference. That's great. I love that reference. Uh, I am drinking a Manor Hill Brewing Citrus Splendor Imperial IPA. It's eight point three percent. It's possibly my favorite beer at the moment. Uh, I might get a little sloppy at the end here as a result <laughs> of the high alcohol content, um, but it's Citra, so it's that super like you know citrusy, fruity sort of sort of hop, and uh, it packs a mean punch. There you go. Imperial IPA is a bold choice for a bold man. Uh, thank you. I think last year when we recorded this same podcast in 2017, I would, had been out drinking before we recorded, and I think I recorded, and I don't think I remember a lot of what I said on that episode. So you'll never get as sloppy as I was on that particular recording, at least. I'm sure it stands the test of time. <laughs> I definitely, I don't believe I even listened to it. I think I just edited it real quick and threw it up and said, I don't want to listen to this. Hey, so You know, a sloppy performance would be right in line with the sloppy end of the 2017 Oscars. So, That's true. You know. I Thematically, I somehow sensed that it was going to be yeah. uh, a match. Yep. <laughs> All right, Andrew, let's start going through the categories. We're going to do, I guess, what we're going to consider the big eight. We're going to work our way through the screenplay, the two screenplay categories, then get into the director, and then go through the four acting categories and best picture. So we're going to start with uh, adapted screenplay, which is, I'd say usually there's a healthy mix of five really strong adapted screenplays and five really strong original screenplays. This year, the adapted screenplay category may be the weirdest category in the entire Oscars catalog. I think that's right. It's I think so that's right. strange. The five nominees are Call Me By Your Name, written by James Ivory, The Disaster Artist, written by Scott Noistatter and Michael H. Weber, Logan, written by Scott Frank, James Mangold, and Michael Green, Molly's Game, written by Aaron Sorkin, and Mudbound, written by Virgil Williams and Dee Rees. These are <laughs> an eclectic five. Yeah. There's a Netflix movie. There's an Aaron Sorkin movie. There's a comic book movie. There's a James Franco sort of retelling of The Room. There's just a lot of strange movies in this category. And I don't even, I'm not even sure what, to, I don't know how we could even call this one. Although I would say the obvious choice that you'd have to say is Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, I, it's very strange. And I like I've seen three of the five movies here. Um, I don't think either of us has seen Molly's Game. Uh, which I have is, a screener is... looking at I'm looking at a screener right now that I received from a friend who I'll not name because I don't want to get him in trouble. But <laughs> with uh, that he's passing screeners out, but I will watch it someday. And that's Aaron Sorkin, I assume. I, I, I think you said that. Um, yeah, Aaron sent it to me. Yeah, he's a good friend. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, <laughs> the script is written by Aaron Sorkin. Correct, and he's also my best uh, friend. He's also your best friend. Well, uh, have you talked to him about the newsroom? That, that's an atrocity. <laughs> um, yeah, I 
think you're right. This is just a weird category. I honestly, like I was saying to you before we got on here, like, I, I guess I'm happy. I liked Logan, but I like, I don't remember anything about the screenplay for that movie. It wasn't basically unremarkable to me. Um, and honestly, I saw Mudbound and liked it. And I would also say that about Mudbound. Um, so I don't know, like, you know, I, I think we're picking our, what we think will win and what should win. And for me, that is call me by your name by default. I, I don't, I haven't seen disaster artists and the other two that I, or Molly's game and the other two that I have seen are unremarkable and call me by your name. It has its moments, uh, and, and a great Michael Stolberg, you know, monologue that kind of redeems the film in my eyes. So that would be my, my choice there. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I I hesitate to even say you know what I want to win because as you noted, I don't. I've, I haven't seen Molly's Game. I've seen Mudbound. I've seen Logan. I saw that. I saw every other all the other four, but none of them particularly stood out to me. And I think the fact that Call Me by Your Name has so much. Uh, momentum and so many nominations in other categories. Just sort of this. This feels to me like it'll get a default victory because yeah. the other. It, it's it's certainly the most Oscar-y of the five choices. Yeah. I guess one could look at these uh, options here and say, "Hey, look at how diverse and versatile and unexpected they are." But it's unexpected in an unsatisfying way. Like if Wonder Woman had been nominated, we would yeah. say, "Whoa, hooray! What a great choice!" But the other ones, you know, eh. Call me by your name. By default, you're right. <laughs> I promise it's gonna get better from here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I'm, I, I appreciate. Like, I, I remember when I saw the this category predicted before the awards, you know, nominations came out. I sort of scoffed and said, "This is such a weird list of lame nominees." And I think it was almost exactly what everyone was predicting. So it's not like there were even better options that were shunned. It, this is right. sort of what what it was for whatever right. reason. Right. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on then. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do the honors on the best original screenplay. Um, so uh, you may have to help me out with who actually wrote them because I'm looking at the Oscars website and they're cut off for some of the ones with multiple contributors. I think I know them all, though. The Big Sick, which was written by Emily V. Gordon and dot, 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 I believe, Kumail Nanjiani. Correct. Uh, Get Out, written by Jordan Peele. Lady Bird, written by Greta Gerwig. Shape of Water, Written by Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, and I don't believe anyone else, although there are dot, dot, dot. Vanessa oh, Taylor. Okay. Oh, sorry, Vanessa. Uh, <laughs> and then the the last nominee is uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, written by Martin McDonough. So this is like, I guess it's just skewed, because this is like a heavyweight category, relatively speaking. I mean, you've got four four nominees for Best Picture, and then The Big Sick, which was probably like the best comedy of the year basically so and is very a very funny film so it's a it's a stacked category how do, how do you see it shaping up i mean i think so so you and i again we, we we had a lot of conversation about this beforehand just to sort of get our ducks in a row and uh, it's been noted on our previous podcasts and by anyone who knows me and talks to me about movies i hate three billboards i thought it was very bad i find very few redeeming elements and i am one of the people who you will see on the internet who will yell and cause a ruckus about how much they dislike it and i am in that sense i am heartened by the fact that the the, the sort of momentum it had going into the awards announcement seems to be fading i think you know for whatever reason whether because people are coming to their senses or just because it, you know it got a lot of steam from the golden globes which don't have a lot of carryover to the other awards 
everyone just seems to be sort of, if not souring, then then sort of flatlining on it a little bit. But I still think, though I do enjoy all, I saw all these nominees, I think they're all pretty to very good. But I think Martin McDonough is a really, really good writer, though I don't think his directing work is particularly great. And I believe he's going to get this one as... Uh, I hope. I mean, hope, it's not going to be the only award three billboards wins, but I hope it's the only big award that the movie itself wins. It'll get some acting ones, which we'll talk about very soon. But I would be. I, I could see them giving this one to McDonough, and then hopefully ending the best picture speculation by giving that to somebody else. Right. Well, and it's interesting too that that McDonough is nominated here, but not for directing. Given that three billboards was, you know, sort of the the. Um, the, the favorite, I guess, going in as much as there is one this year. It's, it's a very unusual in that regard. Um, I mean, I guess I'm struck by the fact that you've got um, three, co- effectively three comedy writers here. Um, I, I know Get Out is not really a comedy, although it has comedic elements. The Hollywood Ford and Press Association can fuck themselves uh, on their <laughs> cate- on their comedy categorization. But uh so from like a sentimental standpoint, I would really like to see one of those three movies win. So Big Sick, Get Out, or Lady Bird. Just because comedies also, as we know, sort of don't don't really get appreciation at the Oscars. Um, so I'd like to see a comedic writer uh, honored. Um, but I think you're right that that this is probably the the three billboards. Um, one one of the one of the only ones that the movie itself will win as opposed to the actors so though i could also see as you noted that uh i think we both would probably agree that get out will probably not win too many things unfortunately i could see peel getting this as sort of a you know at a boy you're coming up in the world you, you made a great movie we're not going to give it best picture or anything but you know he's he's a talent he's a he's a writer not first and foremost now that he directed such a great movie but he's known as a performer and writer i could see that them throwing him this one as well that would not surprise me and i would be very happy as a non three billboards fan but i i i, I find it hard to believe get out really has doesn't have a lot of momentum at this point at all not even that it's waning people love it's it but i just don't it's think a it's a year old yes it's very very old and i think we were all pleasantly surprised that it got as many nominations as it did but yeah i, I think three billboards unfortunately will probably be the victor here yep all right, well, let's move on to director. And the director category is another one where I think the Academy did a great job this year. They definitely drew from the Best Picture nominees. And I think because Martin McDonough didn't get nominated, we were left with five great directors, three stalwarts who I think everybody, most film fans love their work, and then two newcomers who had the aforementioned comedic sort of talents and writers who also stepped behind the camera and did a great job directing this year. So we have Dunkirk, directed by Christopher Nolan. Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele. Lady Bird, directed by Greta Gerwig. Phantom Thread, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And The Shape of Water, directed by Guillermo del Toro. So th- these are all five great nominees. We like the movies. There's really not a lot to say. But with Guillermo del Toro winning at the Directors Guild, it, I feel like that is a pretty strong indicator. I don't know the exact numbers of how often it goes to the winner of the DGAs. But I would say the odds are strongly in Guillermo del Toro's favor to take this one home as well. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's another one that I just look at. I'm like, it's a heavyweight category. Um, you've got three, three sort of auteurs who um, are well known by film fans, obviously, in Nolan, uh, Anderson, and Del Toro, and then you know um, 
Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig. And as I sort of wrote in my immediate reaction piece, which is on our site to the Oscars, you know, one of the things there was a lot of talk when the nominations came out that, you know, the, the changes that the Academy has made in the wake of like Oscars so white and me too, it has really sort of recognized the work of, um, you know, diverse, basically not white guys. Right. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I was trying to try in a more <laughs> elegant way, but that's the most direct way to say it. Um, but I actually, I, the thing I love too, that I, and I wrote this is that it, it, they're, it's young, it's youthful. Like Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig are not, they seem to have bright futures ahead of them. So it's very exciting to just see them in this category and rightfully so, because, um, you know, they both did a great job with their films. Um, I think, what you said is right. Uh, if we assume that, you know, the five directing nominees usually are coming out of the pool of nine best picture nominees, then I think they got the right five here. They got it. They nailed it perfectly. Um, I don't really, I kind of don't care who will win. Cause I'll be happy. Any, whoever wins this category is that feels, I feel like that's a cop out, but like, I'd love to see Nolan get one. Uh, I just saw a Phantom Thread last night, and I'm like still buzzing off of that. I, There's I, no I, way PTA is going to win, though. I think he's not going to win, but I would be happy if he did. Yeah, um, and uh, and I I I will be very I love I I really liked Shape of Water, and I I really Guillermo del Toro is like I kind of can't believe sometimes that he's like as famous and popular as he is. He's so weird. <laughs> you know? Um, but he's like my kind of weird. I don't know. Like he's, he, he only, he can make the, the, the kind of films he does and they're, and they're just, you know, he, he, he puts you in a world. And so if he wins, that's, that's good by me. Um, what I like about these nominees too, is though, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Christopher Nolan aren't exactly spring chickens age wise, but they've, they're not the kind, you know, as good as Nolan has been. And, you know, del Toro has been directing forever, even PTA. They're not, they, nothing, not everything they make is an automatic nominee, you know, like they're not those kind of directors where, you know, you, and I think before this, when you heard that Steven Spielberg was directing the post, everyone yeah. would have penciled, you know, penned his name in and said, Oh, Spielberg, like, you know, if, if Scorsese directs something and Almost always, there's these directors that are almost automatic inclusions here, and these are the kind of guys Nolan and Anderson and Del Toro that the internet really gets behind, and film fans really get behind, and they're not always guarantees for this sort of recognition. So I think it's really cool that you have two newcomers in Peel and Gerwig directing at least, and then three of you know uh, they're not they're not they're far from the fringe; they're pretty mainstream now, but they're not this level of mainstream, and it's cool to see them get recognized like this. And I think. None of them has an Oscar. Is that right? I don't believe. I think, so. I think that's true. I think that's true because um, I don't know what they would have won for at this point, right? Like, I mean, yeah, Anderson is the only one I could think of for like there will be blood, but that would have been a split from the Best Picture, um, which we know until the until they expanded the category didn't really happen there. The split wasn't very common. So I mean that that's that, that that's a very good point that even though um, even though. Nolan and Anderson and Del Toro are like known quantities. They haven't really been um, honored on this level. And even 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 with Peel and Gerwig being the younger of this group, this is still a pretty young 
collectively a young group. Uh, this is relative. Christopher Nolan's first Best Director nomination of his entire career. Wow, that's amazing. That's me too. I, he was the one, you know, blindly. I, I figured Del Toro hadn't been, even though Pan's Labyrinth was beloved. And PTA, I, I figured there will be blood. But, wow, I, yeah. I didn't want to say without looking it up. But, yeah, Nolan has never gotten nominated for Best Director. Memento came out in 2000, and 2000 I believe. So, uh, 18 years now. <laughs> He's made some good films since then. Yeah, Inception <laughs> got Best Picture, but he didn't get nominated for Best Director, which is crazy. Wow. Uh, if you're gonna like Inception for anything, it's his directing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, so I'm excited about this category. I don't even have a favorite that I won't really want to pick. Um, uh, but uh, I think you're probably right that Del Toro's has got to be the favorite. There is, there is a. I think we there's a path. Where if, if Dunkirk is, you know, I could see Dunkirk picking up a lot of the technical awards, though I could also see Shape of Water picking up a lot of the technical awards, and I could see <clears throat> Nolan taking Best Director and then Dunkirk sneaking into Best Picture. I don't think that's an impossibility, but I will say the tide seems to be favoring Shape of Water at this particular moment, and Del Toro by proxy. I, I just can't believe that, but I... <laughs> it seems weird. It doesn't seem like how it's, this normally it goes, but... It, it doesn't... It feels like a recipe for low ratings, but... Um, I, <laughs> I mean, Dunkirk was very... If they wanted to vote for a popular movie that most people saw, which they never really do, but if they wanted to, Dunkirk would fit the bill. Right. You know, Dunkirk yes. was... Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was... I think Get Out... I'm not sure it was the most popular movie. No, Dunkirk probably was the most popular movie in Best Picture nomination, correct? I would I would think so. And it, like that's the thing if you want to if you wanted to like pick the movie that uh that marries kind of critical acclaim with commercial success it's it's it, it it's it feels like a throwback almost at this point but like that it it actually feels weird to me that Dunkirk isn't like just the obvious choice for the academy at this point but I think that kind of speaks to where the academy is at this point. Yeah, I don't think any of us expect them to go, you know, populist and, and pick what people like. That's That has not yeah. been, for better or worse, that has not been their, their stance the last couple of years. All right, so moving on, uh, let's get into the, the meaty categories, the ones that I think people uh, pay attention to the most, the acting categories. So let's start off with uh, Best Supporting Actress. So we have five nominees, as always. Uh, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. Uh, Allison Janney for I, Tanya, The great Leslie Manville for Phantom <laughs> Thread. Editorializing a little bit. Can you tell? Well, actually, I, this, is a, this is a tough... It's, it, I have a clear top two in this category, but uh, beyond, it's a tough choice be, between those two. Uh, anyway, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird and uh, Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. So Steve, what do you, what do you what do you see sizing up this this group? I think, you know, as we're going to go through these four acting categories, I think most people would tell you that they're pretty much stone cold locks at this point. I don't want to believe that because it's always boring to see the people you expected to win win, but I believe the critical consensus at this point or at least the general idea people have in their heads is that Allison Janney is a shoe-in for I, yeah. Tanya. I, I find that a little hard to believe in the sense that I, Tanya seems like the kind of movie, though it did get the double, this and then Margot Robbie, which we'll talk about in a little bit for lead actress, got, they got nominations, but it does not seem like the kind of movie the Academy would typically give a shit about, you know? Right. It right. seems like it was a foregone conclusion that they would be nominated because they've received nominations for every other award in the world. But I yep. think there's a real good chance that... I would say Metcalf and Spencer could either one could play spoiler here. I think Laurie Metcalf 
would be my favorite because I think she was so good and a great sort of dark horse out of nowhere story. The the woman from Roseanne, who everyone loved and who has popped up in a couple things here and there throughout time, kills it in Lady Bird and wins an award. Octavia Spencer is beloved already. She's won before. She's tremendous. Like it does, it, it strikes me as I could definitely, though I did not think she was, you know, there was so much going on in Shape of Water. I didn't think it was her movie per se. She was just, she was, she was great, but she was also just sort of there. But yeah, I could also see yeah. if Shape of Water is on, is riding a wave, I could see Octavia Spencer riding that wave as well. And, and she's tremendous in everything. So I would never, ever, ever in a million years begrudge Octavia Spencer for winning an award. So, but uh, I, I don't know. What are, what's your take on this? Like, I, I guess my heart says Metcalf. My head will probably go with Janney if I do like an Oscar pool. Yeah, I think Janie's gonna win. I think that's pretty. But do you concur that Itania is not the kind of thing that you typically would get? I don't a nod, know. Or... Well, I. It's funny you said that, and I immediately uh, looked up here Foxcatcher because this movie kind of reminds me of Foxcatcher, um, just in terms of like conceit. You know, it's true crime. It's kind of shot in that like docudrama. Um, style. Uh, Foxcatcher didn't end up winning anything for like Steve Carell or Channing Tatum, but it it it, it got nominated. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I sentimentally, I I thought Leslie Manville was amazing in Phantom Thread, and uh, from like the career achievement perspective and from her performance, I really loved Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird. Um, uh, and I, I love her going back to Roseanne, but I, I think this is this is an Allison Janney win, and and it's it's weird for us to talk about because neither of us have seen I Tanya, but um, just from a uh, word of mouth standpoint, uh, the thing I keep hearing is that she's amazing <laughs> in this in this movie. Um, so that, I, I think I think it's I think it's going to be Janney. And I hate uh, to disregard Mary J. Blige. Mudbound, for what it was, was very good, and I enjoyed it. And and I don't mind seeing a Netflix movie at all getting recognition. Like it's it's an interesting way to release movies, and I'm so curious to see how that impacts the whole awards process going forward. But Hand, Handmaid's Tale on Netflix is winning awards. You know, House of Cards is always nominated. They're up for something, though. Kevin Spacey is now unfortunately gone from our hearts and minds. But <laughs> the, I, I I I'm 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 appreciative of Mudbound's recognition and i'm glad the academy isn't just automatically writing off netflix movies or streaming movies as if they aren't real movies like they there's gonna be so much more room for diversity and netflix is throwing money at literally everybody so you know there's probably not gonna be a better platform to get your voice heard if you're someone who isn't necessarily part of the mainstream or you know a person of color or a woman like i imagine there's gonna be so many opportunities for those folks who who hollywood typically ignores so i I love seeing mudbound get noms because i feel like that's going to open more people's eyes that this is a real option should you want to make a movie outside of you know the typical methods yeah it'll open their eyes just as netflix and amazon move away from prestige film and yes to, <laughs> to adam sand more adam sandlery yeah, bullshit yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um i don't know I, I i guess i'd say generally I, I feel like this is kind of a weak weak category relative to the other other acting ones i mean not weak but um none not a lot of these perform like Mary J. Blige's I, I, performance in Mudbound to me was very good in in the sense that I could see her being a a very good actor, but I didn't 
like watch that movie and be like, oh, she's amazing. Um, and I, I agree with Octavius, uh, with you on Octavia Spencer. She was just kind of there. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't think it was like her great, her greatest. She was like the sixth lead, you know, like she didn't have yeah. a ton to do. It wasn't really, it wasn't her. She did great with what she has. She always does, but uh, what, it, the movie's just so not about her. Yeah, and well, and I felt that way honestly about Michael Shannon as well, who was who was like the bad guy. But like, I'm like, I've seen Michael Shannon play this character like ten times already, and that's kind of the way I felt with Octavia Spencer. Yeah, um, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, that's where I thought Laurie Metcalf's performance was really great. Um, uh, and I haven't seen Allison Janney's, and I thought Leslie Manfield's was also just so restrained and odd. Yeah, um, Leslie, I, I mean. Lo- there's no way she wins. Phantom Thread's not going to win anything, but no, it not. would be unless maybe, maybe like costume yeah, design. Costume design, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. If it doesn't win costume design, well, Beauty and the Beast could easily win costume design. Like that made ten billion dollars. But I mean, a movie about you know a a designer should probably win costume design, and if it's if it's well executed and wonderful, and Phantom Thread was both of those things, so I'm gonna cross my fingers real hard on costume design for Phantom Thread. But that may be the only thing it gets. We're pulling for you, House Woodcock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me go to let's go to best supporting actor. This is a more star-studded category. No offense to the ladies; they you know are all wonderful, but these are people. These are names for sure. And though it may be the most boring category, unfortunately, because there's not a lot of uh, unpredictability here. But the nominees are Willem Dafoe for the Florida Project, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, and Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. And it's I, I want to talk about this category because I have not seen All the Money in the World, but we've seen the other ones. And it, Actually, have you seen Florida Project? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, you should see Florida you. Project. It's very good. Uh, it's on the list. And Defoe is not going to win anyway. He's great in it, but it's, it's you know, the, the real... But regardless of what you know, who else is up, Sam Rockwell is a, as strong a lock, I think, as there is... I probably the strongest lock of anyone nominated for anything the entire night. I think that's about right. I think that's about right. And yeah. I love Sam Rockwell, and I've I've been a Sam Rockwell fan for decades, and I think he's one of the best actors. And I'm I I, I look at this as sort of a lifetime achievement Sam Rockwell award. Yeah. Like he's yeah. done so many great things that people are finally recognizing him for this movie. Three cheers for that. But. I cannot get over how much I love Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. He was so fantastic. He was funny. He was charming. He's one. Of, he is another person who deserves a Lifetime Achievement Award and then some. And I'm really sad. And Woody Harrelson is so good in Three Billboards. <laughs> and I'm so sad that that a Rockwell performance that I don't like is going to win something when I really, really prefer so many other people nominated for that award. Uh, I agree, and you know it's 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 a little odd to me that um, that uh, that Sam Rockwell is going to get the like sort of lifetime uh, achievement award um, uh, before uh, before Woody Harrelson, who has <laughs> who has who has a much longer career, and I yeah he was nominated for best actor for People versus Larry Larry Flint. Um, and he had, he has two other best supporting nods, but he's never won. Um, and I I personally just adore Woody Harrelson. He's probably one of my favorite actors. Um, and uh, yeah, I I'm think we both able- agree that his you know. I, I, maybe you less than me, but he was one of the few characters in Three Billboards who was obviously he's one of the most 
charming and pleasant characters in a movie with not a lot of pleasant characters but he was beautiful he was loving he like he had a very tragic and wonderful end that was very suiting for what the movie was trying to go for like to me he was the movie and it's a shame that you know i was glad to see him get nominated because that was certainly up for debate but from to me he he meant so much more than rockwell that rockwell is gonna win the academy award for playing a racist cop in this day and age (laughs) like that is a very weird sentiment you know uh yeah well independent of that i like three billboards and i'm like i'm sitting here and i'm like sam rockwell wasn't even the best guy nominated in this category for his own movie uh and i think you're right woody is like the heart and soul of the film in a lot of ways i mean francis mcdormand is as well but the relationship between her and woody the chief willoughby from the movie is is like that's the spine of the film um it's actually not with sam rockwell's character kind of operates in like orbit to them you know in a lot of ways um so yeah um and i agree with you on richard jenkins as well i I would be happy to see him win it but i'm like for me i'm like i'm like wait sam rockwell's gonna get the lifetime achievement award before woody harrelson (laughs) i mean i don't it doesn't even like it's not fair you know woody harrelson was in freaking white men can't jump you know he's yep. like he's been <laughs> around forever he was in cheers come on yeah give him an oscar uh, and I, I love woody so hey, true detective you know i know that wasn't a movie but whatever. yeah um, <laughs> he's versatile he does everything he bounces from film to television with no regrets or regards or anything he just he just lives his life i could just watch that guy do anything i don't know he's i great. love woody and in conclusion, I love Woody. Yeah. I think we both love Woody. If we had t-shirts, they would say, I love Woody in real deep at the bottom. <laughs> I think we can all agree that none of us saw all the money in the world, but Christopher Plummer shot his scenes in two days, and it's, who gives a shit? He's in it for like 10 minutes, apparently. Like That just feels like such... Like, did anyone see all the money in the world? Like, I just find that hard to believe there wasn't a more, you know, deserving nominee than this old man who I love, who filled in. I feel like that was totally a a headline grabbing type thing where everyone said, oh, he he stepped in for Spacey. Let's vote for him. Get out of here, Colonel Von Trapp. Get lost. (laughs) I vote. I think you should get lost. But, you know, whatever. He's, He's great. I love Christopher Plummer. If he's listening, we love you, Chris Plummer. But, you know, just maybe not this year. Uh, Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, moving on. Are we ready to move on? I think we're ready I'm ready to move, to move on. on. That was good. That right. was charming. Right. I'm, I'm sticking with the ladies here. Um, so best actress in a leading role. We have Sally Hawkins, the mute uh, lead character from The Shape of Water. Francis McDormand, the very not mute character from <laughs> Three Billboards Outside Having Missouri. Uh, Margot Robbie as Itania, uh, or Tanya Harding in Itania. Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. I said that right. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. That's really the reason I'm doing the ladies. That so was very impressive. Sh- Good job. So I can say Saoirse. Uh, I know Steve can't do that. And then uh, some lady named uh, Streep, Meryl Streep. John, John Cazale's wife. Uh, I think I've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the post. Uh, those are the those are the five five nominees. So so what do you what do you see here, Steve? There's some heft to these too. This is a very, you know, none of again we didn't see Itania, which is a shame because it's the one, the one sort of blip on our radar. But 
This is a very strong category as well. I'm very well outspoken already about my love for Francis McDormand, similar to my love for Sam Rockwell, though not in Three Billboards. But I've resigned myself that she gives a strong performance that is not my favorite McDormand, but she's going to win. This is close to, this is not a Rockwell lock, but it's right behind Rockwell as a lock. And again, if Three Billboards wins a Rockwell Award and a McDormand Award, I can live with that because they're both so great and so wonderful in so many things, and they deserve recognition like this for a very long time, and I'll be very happy to see them get it. That said, Sally Hawkins is so goddamn good in The Shape of Water. She doesn't talk in the movie, as you said, and she has a great butt. I'll come out and say it. They show her butt a lot, and it looks great for her age. She's not exactly a spring chicken. She's so good in it. She has sex with a fish man. She does like so many eclectic, unexpected things in that movie and kills all of it. And again, it, I, I hope the shape of water wave may be strong enough, if it does exist, to push her over McDormand. But being realistic, it's going to be McDormand. It's going to be McDormand. Yeah. But this is a I great say- category. Like we even talk about Streep, and and though we neither one of us really love the post at this point in time, Streep is great in it. Like it was it was nice to see Streep playing a sort of badass uh, lady who doesn't realize she's a badass until an appropriate time. Like she's definitely operated in more of a a more powerful woman's sphere for a while, and I like seeing her realize her power as opposed to already wield it. I thought that was a great little touch. Yeah, to be honest, uh, my favorite performance out of these five would actually probably be Meryl Streep's, I I have to say, um, which is kind of like the rich getting richer. So I'd be very happy with (laughs) Sally Hawkins winning. I'd be very happy with any of these people winning, to be honest. Yeah, Saoirse is tremendous. She's so great. She's great. Um, I feel like Saoirse is going to be nominated a lot, so I'm not worried for her. Um, uh, You know, yeah, Francis is going to win. I think that's 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 pretty straightforward. I will say I think relative to Sam Rockwell's performance, that I think her performance in Three Billboards is much stronger than Sam Rockwell's performance um, in in Three Billboards. Um, uh, so from that perspective, I, I think she's 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 probably a, a deserving winner. And I'm staring at her photo on the Oscars website, and it's it's menacing and, and intimidating me <laughs> while I talk. Um, but yeah, this is this to me is like this is when I when I these came out I, I circled this one as like this is the heavy this is the ultimate this is like the in the World Cup they do the group of death which is like the four where the four four teams it's like the strongest four teams and like this is the this is the category of death in terms of uh, you know you've got you've got some real real talent really great performances here and I will say and you know uh, not to give the Oscars too much praise again but we did say they did a decent job this year and when you look at this category Hawkins is getting a little more well known she got nominated for Blue Jasmine as well she's she's you know she's a little she's in her 40s as well but she's she's <clears> getting <throat> a little more notoriety and then you have McDormand and Streep who are Titans though Streep is a bigger Titan but McDormand is it is a you know movie make filmmaking titan she's she's a great actress that everyone's beloved and then robbie and ronan are are younger who are on the come up and are great and everyone loves them especially saoirse but robbie's getting a little credit as well now so they do a good job it's it's not just you know judy dench and meryl streep and uh emma thompson like it's it's an eclectic mix of people and i like that like i like that the ages are diverse i like that it's different types of movies like that is something that i hope carries over to future years because i think it only benefits people i obviously you'd like to see uh, some of the movies get a little 
more uh, be a little more well seen, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to see that of the ones they picked, it's it's a it's a good group of of, of women for sure. Nice job, ladies. Did great. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. All right, let's go to best actor, which is another. <laughs> Unfortunately, another pretty locked up category, but still one worth discussing. So um, I'm going to need help with the pronunciation on this first person's name, Andrew. You want to take it? No. Timothy Tim- Ch- Chalamet? Is that how you say it? Chalamet. Yeah. Chalamet, Tim- okay. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet and Call Me By Your Name. Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. I think, I think we can as as much as I love Denzel, we can count him out. You know, from <laughs> cross him off the list because yeah. no one yeah. has seen that movie. Sorry, Denzel, yeah. you're you're one of our greatest living actors, but no one. I had to remember what that movie was as I was reading it, and I, I assume he's playing Denzel Washington in the movie, yeah, like, as, as he always does. <laughs> and again, he's great, but it's just that that's a movie that people barely know exists, and. And I mean, this is a pretty clear one. Gary Oldman is is almost a certainty to win, unless there's a little bit of Daniel Day Lewis love, as he apparently oh. is about to retire post Phantom Thread. But I think even you know Daniel Day Lewis has gotten his several times in the past. Gary Oldman is another one of our treasures in the in the uh, acting world, and I think this is Gary Oldman's time, and it's pretty well deserving. He's he's great, and it's a inhabiting a historical character wearing a fat suit lots of makeup Hmm. you know just all the a lot of the boxes you typically would check for an award winner and he's really good and it's a boot so i think this is a pretty pleasant win for gary ullman that we can all get behind yeah i guess i i I, so i like darkest hour uh as a film uh, you know it it would have been near had i seen it before our top 10 list came out i would have been near or in the list somewhere i'm not exactly sure where it would have landed um i I do think it's just like you said the fat suit thing like uh, he should split the award when he wins it with the with the makeup and costuming department um because I mean, I, I think that's part of the appeal, right? You know, is that he's he he inhabits uh, Winston Winston Churchill, which and is we, and we know the real Gary Oldman is a skinny, dark-haired man, right, and so seeing right. him play a fat, bald man is is you know it gets lots of golf claps and often a diabolical villain as well, as opposed to you know um, the guy who helped save England uh, in World War Two. So I realize it's ironic that I'm going to come out here and advocate for Daniel Day Lewis, um, given that he. His last role, he basically won for doing the same thing as Abraham Lincoln. Um, but I've seen four of these five performances, and I just think his was <laughs> the best. I mean, we we both Phantom Thread is, and I can't emphasize this enough. It is so funny. You don't expect it. I thought it was gonna be a stuffy, you know, yeah. period piece costume drama, and it yeah. is that to a certain extent. But it really also is not at all. Like it is. It is bitingly clever, and Daniel Day is so good, and it's a it's a different type character than you'd expect from him as well. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it really shows his range on his way out, and I'm sad it's his last movie, but I'm glad it was so uh, you know pretty unique and different, and certainly not what I expected going in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. I I, I like uh, again. This is another one where you get some youth served, right? Because Daniel Kailua and Timothy Chalamet are both both young young bucks, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but uh uh yeah this is this is a Gary Oldman uh, uh lock I think um 
So, uh, which again, so, I, yeah, I don't no. think you know. It, it's hard to get. Like, yeah, you can you can nitpick Darkest Hour, and you like Darkest Hour probably more than I did. But yeah. if we're gonna if we're gonna count these, or if we're gonna look at these at least on our end as sort of lifetime achievement awards. Who is more deserving than Gary Oldman of no, recognition right. of this sort? Right. So I don't think that's what these should be, and I don't think that's why they're they're getting these nominations. But it certainly doesn't help. I think if you put in thirty years of excellent work and you have one big showy performance, that's there, there's a pretty well accepted narrative at this point that 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 works, and that's a, that's a very likely way to get your Oscar. And if that's what Gary did here, he's fallen the playbook to a T, and you can't really fault him for that at all. Yeah, it's just it's just weird that you know you have to crawl through the Alberta wilderness like Leonardo DiCaprio or don a fat suit for three months like Gary <laughs> Oldman to get recognized for being a great actor, but you know it's kind of the way it is. So. The Oscars are what they are, my friend. Yeah. They're they're that 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 is one of the frustrations that we've noted previously many times right. over. But right. what are you gonna do? All right, Andrew, take us home with I, Best Picture. I think, yeah, I was going to say what we're going to do is talk about the granddaddy of them all, the Best Picture. I have to read nine nominees. I'm not going to read you the producers. No, um, I don't give a shit about to the see producers. one of them you know, up there if they, <laughs> if they win. Uh, the nominees are Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. We've talked about all nine of these movies at length already. Uh, I think to start off, we can basically X out four of these. Uh, and Steve, let me know if you disagree. But Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, The Post, and Phantom Thread have absolutely no shot of winning. Um, I would concur. I don't, I don't think... I don't, there's a couple of the other five that I'm not really sure have much of a shot. I don't think Get Out or Lady Bird have a real chance either. I think that's true, but I think there's an outside, you know, there's a realm of possibility um, sure. conversation there. But uh, anyway, um, those 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 first four that I mentioned are definitely, you know, X's. Um, uh, and uh, and that leaves us with the with the other the other five. And as you as you said, probably the other three, which is Dunkirk, Shape of Water, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. But from there, it's it's actually very wide open. I mean, you can, there, from a precedence perspective, uh, you can make an argument for or against any one of these movies. Dunkirk doesn't have a lot of acting nominations. Uh, I think The Shape of Water has very few actual precedence arguments against it, but it's so goddamn weird <laughs> that I, I just have a hard time, and I say that with love, I have a hard time seeing it winning. Uh, and then three billboards, the big precedent, you know, against it is is that uh uh mcdonough was not nominated for best director not even nominated now that's that's strange um we've had more of the split you know it's 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 been rare to have the director and best picture split uh although it's become more common in recent years but for him to not even be nominated is uh is is unusual um yeah and, it, point, and, it points toward a sort of shift in how people are perceiving this yeah. and yeah but you can't discount it for sure. Like it's, it definitely is, you know, as I have a little bit of, not a ton of insight, but a little bit of insight into how, and I, I think I've talked about some previous of our nominations episodes, how people vote for these awards, knowing people who work in the industry and talk to their bosses or coworkers who actually have votes. And it's not, they, I, we, the people who talk about this spend exponentially more time thinking about it than the people who actually vote. So, right. It, it, you know, there, there's a strong chance that people 
Saw three billboards, heard about three billboards, knew it got a lot of buzz, got their ballots, checked it off and sent them back and didn't think twice about it. Like, it's not an impossibility. But uh, if we're going to be – I, I think there is a strong case to be made as well. In many past years, precedent does mean a lot. Like, the, the, the Academy votes in mass in a lot of ways on a lot of things. I and mean, you read stories that's changing. It's a more diverse – new type of voter block like it's not necessarily the old ways or not necessarily the way it goes but i would say given the way the tides are sort of turning in the at the award season goes shape of water looks like i would say the front runner but i really don't know we talked about this on our best of 2017 podcast and in our in our list as well it's a very wide open year like there's a lot of good movies like we've seen the nine we like the nine for the most part but it's really, really hard to pick one, two, or even three out of the mix, you know, from a quality standpoint. You can do it from a precedent standpoint or from a I think this might happen standpoint, but it's very hard to say these three are definitively the best and they will choose from those, you know? Yeah, totally agree. Um, I, I think Shape, Shape of Water is the front runner. Uh, the more and more I think about this, I, the more and more I, 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 I – I have this intuition, you know, and, and maybe this will change as articles come out in the next week or two, but I have this intuition that Dunkirk's going to, going to get the win here. Um, Do you think that, but you don't think Nolan is going to win best director? I, well, they could split it. They could. They could split <laughs> that would it. Be, but Dunkirk would literally win, like, like score and best picture. That would be a, if even that, like, I mean, obviously you know this, but what a unique turn of events that would be. I guess I would just say that again, the press, some precedent is probably going to be broken here. Well, I, I guess no, that's not true. If Shape of Water wins, some precedent will not be broken. I just I can't escape this this feeling I have that it's it's just a profoundly strange film, and I think it's going to be very weird if it wins. Yeah, um, I saw it with uh, my fifty nine year old father, and it was. And I, he did great. And if he's listening to this, Dad, you did a great job at, you know, you liked it. And I'm glad you liked it because I knew it was going to be weird as shit. And I was very wondering how you would take it. But it is not, you know, even he had clearly had a lot to grapple with. Like, it, it's very odd. And it does not seem like it would appeal to a large, even even a industry type of people, it would not appeal to all of them. Yeah, I think even like five or ten years ago, Dunkirk would be like a slam dunk with a set of nominees, like yep. not even not even close. And and which maybe says something about the way things have sort of changed. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, some some precedent is going to get broken here um, with whatever. Even out of any of these three, I think you know it's going to be it's going to be a strange it's going to be a strange winner. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's it, it, maybe not a historical precedent for Shape of Water, but like a sort of emotional or yeah. you know whatever precedent of like weird ass fish sex movie wins Best Picture. Yeah. That's a that's an un, yeah. an unspoken precedent that will be broken. Yeah. So it will be the first fish sex movie to <laughs> win, a, win, a, win Best Picture. Maybe not uh, the first movie that features masturbation heavily to win Best Picture, but certainly one of the few. Definitely when it's masturbating to a fish or to the thought of a fish, Uh, a fish monster, I should say. Um, So I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I mean, this will be, this will be very, this will be very interesting. Um, It's, it's different than last year, which had the surprise ending, you know, and, uh, but what was really, I mean, even by this point was really down to just two effectively, you know, it was La La Land and, and, and Moonlight. There wasn't any other, 
Manchester was like lurking, but like was really uh, with like barely lurking. Yeah, this is like three where I think there's a legit That's shot true. for any of those three to win. Um, and, uh, you know, as well, we we picked our favorite movie of the year. I'd love to see Get Out get the win here um but that seems not but uh, that doesn't seem very likely <laughs> so are you gonna go so, on record on the podcast and saying dunkirk sure yeah i'll make that call i think okay. i just, just call it an intuition I, I don't i don't i don't it's it seems against the odds but not too long against the odds so yeah i mean I, i'll make that call so let's say this you will take dunkirk i will take shape of water and if it's three billboards i'm gonna smash my laptop and we're never gonna record <laughs> ever again how about that I'll have to be doing the recordings, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'll speak into a real broken sort of mouthpiece thing and try and cobble together some sort of audio technicality. But man, it's I am very. It's gonna be interesting. Like I, I don't know if I'm gonna sit and watch the entire thing. I've done it the last couple of years at friends' houses, and I'm falling asleep. It's even worse than the Super Bowl <laughs> and WrestleMania in terms of keeping my interest the entire Look, time. I'm out three hours earlier, though. That's yeah. true. I guess. T- oh, you're right. I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, I'm gonna be wide awake. Oh crap. Yeah, yeah you're gonna, you're gonna wake <laughs> this. God damn it. All right. Well, I guess I'm watching the entire show. God help me. But <laughs> it's. I, I will say I enjoy that the the ambiguity and the uncertainty is is interesting and there's a strong likelihood that we'll be bothered by some of them but I do I appreciate that they are seem to be trying though they can't you know say they're trying because it's you know it's a, a blind ballot award voting type thing but they seem to be trying to be more inclusive or being more inclusive by including more people who who then vote for movies that you know uh are a little more diverse and a little more unexpected but uh, there's a great story in the ringer that i know we both talked about that really emphasizes the issue with a lot of the oscars right now and with uh the complications of of nominating a series of movies with the idea it just doesn't work like it used to where there'd be either a big one or there'd be a bunch of small ones then then the rising tide lifted all boats that's not really the way it works anymore yeah and the the piece in the ringer is very interesting because it basically lays out the case that the expansion of the best picture category from five to ten to now between five and ten but usually nine is you know sort of a law of unintended consequences example um because basically what's happened is i mean the impetus for the that expansion was the dark night getting snubbed mid late 2000s um and so the thinking was you know this would this would open the tent for some of those more like commercially friendly good you know vehicles but what's really happened is just more obscure films have you know obscure films in the context of uh you know the general public have snuck into the category um so it hasn't really worked out quite like you'd think uh which kind of changes my whole thinking you know i think last year and probably any year we've done this podcast i've talked sort of about the idea that the oscars the the thing i like about it is it shines a light on some movies that are maybe less well known um i think that point becomes moot if no one tunes into the oscars at all um which i think is what what is the risk here especially with like this group of nominees like it 
<laughs> or the people that tune in go, what the fuck are these yeah. six of these nine best picture movies? Yeah. I've never heard yeah. any of these. Like, yeah. you know, that's not, that doesn't help anybody. And I know there was one particular snub this year that bothered you and bothered a lot of people and really could have stemmed the tide and maybe turned this conversation on its head, but unfortunately did not. Right. And I think it's the shining example of how that this is an example of the law of unintended consequences. Wonder Woman didn't get nominated for it anything not even a visual effects nomination which you would have thought would have been like an obvious choice and um uh i i just think um i I think that's a huge miss i thought the movie was great it made my top 10 of the year um but beyond that uh it was it was critically successful obviously hugely commercially successful from a like movie business standpoint it, it it is the biggest film of the year and the one that will have the most far-reaching impact on the business and let's be honest all the people voting for these awards are in the movie business right um it's a you know big studio directed by a woman starring a a a female heroine superhero um for it it not to be here is 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 a pretty a pretty glaring omission um and uh and I, i i think that's the uh that's the danger that sort of this ringer piece was 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 highlighting is that the, the expansion of the category hasn't it initially seems to have done like you know i think uh up or toy story 3 a few of those like snuck in there but it hasn't it hasn't broadened the kind of movie we see you know you would expect also that comedy and horror movies and stuff like that would sneak in there more regularly and yet here we are in 2018 and get out still feels like an anomaly um uh and and so you know that's that's a that's a danger for the for the show um it's a great it's a really great point too that you just brought up is you know everyone you know highlights dark knight and highlights wonder woman and then praises logan for getting nominated but comic book movies though they're you know they make billions of dollars and are hugely important from a business perspective that's not what no one's hoping more comic book movies get nominated like you'd like to see something like the big sick or you'd like to see a a good comedy like the oscars have never sat down and said making comedy is as valuable or or hard or worth rewarding as making drama and that's silly and i get that they're not nominating like wedding crashers but there are there's you know several good comedies every year that are just as good as the dramas and just because they're not serious and don't make you cry doesn't mean they don't deserve award recognition and you know and, and again they can't force the academy voters to change their mindsets but it's just it, it is disheartening in the sense that they are not they they haven't seemed to take in any cues they haven't seemed to take in sort of the bait as it were and sort of change their mindset set to fill these extra spots with more stuff that is different or interesting though again you and i love seeing Lady Bird and get out and timothy chalamet and margot robbie like we like those things in theory but it doesn't help remove the perception that hollywood is a bunch of people with their thumbs up their butts then right. smelling their thumbs and talking about how great a <laughs> sniff is like that's that, and uh, you just you wish there was some middle ground that everyone could find, and it's not, and that sort of defeats the purpose of this being a, a true award that is representative of the year in movie making. Right. Well, and then it becomes an ex- existential question about you know sort of what is a what is a best picture nominee, what is a great movie, and that sort of thing. And and I think that's you know the fact that every top ten list I read every year is infinitely more eclectic than the list of nine nominees that we've got here um 
says a lot and this is an eclectic year so yeah so um so uh and we can't leave this we can't not shit on the studios as well like when you know they used to make things like the godfather and they used to put a lot of money behind them because it was good adult fare that everyone wanted to see they don't make movies like that anymore or at least they don't they don't they don't make them unless they're like the post they don't make them unless they have are clearly gunning for awards season relevancy they don't they don't make them to make money so much obviously they want to make money but there's just not as much if they're going to put time and effort into something it's going to be for a different purpose and the industry has changed and these awards in particular have sort of stayed the way they've been forever and have made tiny, tiny tweaks. And then, and they happen to be falling behind in a big way over the last decade, if not more. Yep. And declining TV ratings and all that. So, yeah. And no one's adjusting. We'll be the only people watching the Oscars in five years, probably. So. <laughs> That's probably true. Well, maybe there'll be room for a new. It's just some bullshit thing that everyone made up that you're in the Academy and you get to vote. Like, there's sure. no rule that you can't just start a new thing and have that game. Like, not that I think it's ever going to happen, but I hope that, you know, that something comes along to sort of replace it or modify it or make it or challenge it, you know? Like, it's the, there, there's room for growth in this awards-giving process. It doesn't have to be so wedded to ye old ways. Yeah, figure it out, Academy. Come on, two guys on a podcast really want you to get your shit together. <laughs> we would have gotten the damn Best Picture nom- envelope right, too. <laughs> we sure would have. Not like old-ass Warren Beatty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on our Oscar nominations episode. We love doing it. It's, you know, for all of our bullshit, as we said, we're going to sit down and watch, if not the entire thing, the bulk of it, and we will probably bitch and moan to our heart's content when it's all over. And But it is, it is you know, the biggest game in town, and as a movie podcast and a movie blog, we'd be remiss not to talk about it. And we uh, and you definitely, there are little things to like this year. So there's, there's baby steps, and I hope that they make bigger steps as well to sort of rectify some of the larger issues, but I appreciate the relative diversity of the nominees and the films nominated and I hope it's a sign of of progress to come down the line agree and uh, just to throw out a couple things I'll be keeping an eye on um, definitely the cinematography category that's really interesting you've got Roger Deakins trying to break his curse not curse but you know he's never won <laughs> the curse of being very successful but not ultimately the most successful yeah, yeah uh and then also in that category the first woman ever nominated for cinematography and uh and then score which is a pet pet category of mine and this year you've got two really great scores in shape of water and uh and uh and and phantom thread uh so anyway uh, that yeah I, I agree i'm i'm still excited for the broadcast although i have to stay up later than steve now um but uh, yeah, we'll we'll be there, and uh, and and, uh, and and we'll be there after that, I, I guess. When when no one when I have to go to parties and drone on about movies because no one will listen anymore. <laughs> we should say R.I.P. to Johan Johansson, the the score. If yeah. we're gonna talk about score, the he composed yeah. the Theory of Everything. He's one of our most renowned composers in that regard. And it was a shame that he passed away at 49. That was way too young. So that was that was yeah. very very sad. Sicario and Arrival as well. Yeah, Sicario was a fan. They were both fantastic scores, and it was it was yep. a shame to see him not make it. But I do appreciate that Johnny Greenwood finally was nominated for a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. His score, <laughs> his score for uh, There Will Be Blood was tremendous, and it was crazy he didn't get nominated for that. And I'm really though Phantom Thread is probably not likely to win. We'll cross our fingers, but I bet it'll be uh, Alexander Desplat, Desplat, or Hans Zimmer. 
Yeah, or John Williams, that old, old fart. I think it's time for John Williams to kick the bucket, but he's here and he's getting <laughs> noms, so, but God bless him. Wishing death on our most beloved composer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just nice very note. old. He's just, nice, come on. Nice note to end on. Did you <clears throat> did you watch The Last Jedi and think about the score in any way? I thought it was the same as the others. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was too. So I don't mean I don't wish, wish ill upon John Williams in any real way, but come on, like that's such a his name was on the thing and everyone checked it off. All right, well, again, thank you everyone for joining us. Inrealdeep.com is been in a little bit of a stasis for the last month as we've been getting our bearings. We're still seeing some of these Oscar movies. I've been, we've been a little remiss in reviewing the things we've seen, but as the year picks up of 2018, there's going to be plenty more good stuff coming. So always visit inrealdeep.com. Find us on Facebook, inrealdeep, and download, subscribe to our podcast, write a review, check through the archives, see other great things you like. Andrew and I do excellent work, I would say. <laughs> and we would love to have, we appreciate you listening and please keep listening for more. There's plenty of good stuff to come. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios.